0: As a matter of fact, he picked out a couple of songs, and I recalled those, and I liked both of those songs. One of them was called American Pie by Don McLean. Some of you with gray hair like me would remember that song. And uh, and it began to talk about the theme that was running through that song. And that there was a message there that was almost like a hidden code, you know. You had to know what the writer of the song was talking about. Another one was one of my favorite groups. One of my favorite duets was Simon and Garfunkel. Anybody remember them? Simon and Garfunkel did a song called Sounds of Silence, and it was the same thing. It was like this meaning that was tucked in there. And frankly, as a 16-year-old, I didn't care about any of that. I just liked the music, you know. I liked the song. I liked the tune. I liked the melody. But there was a theme behind the song. Well, movies are like that sometimes. Sometimes there's an underlying theme or message even behind a movie sometimes we get so lost in the entertainment of it the action um, uh, the, the the suspense the, the drama, the comedy, whatever it might be that we miss a message we 've chosen four movies this month that we want to use in our big screen. Series now we've chosen these four movies not really because of the blockbuster hits that they became Not really because of the action or the suspense or the drama or the comedy We really chose these four because there's a theme that runs through the movie that we want To build on now the theme that we understand these movies are are fiction. They're they're myth there's no truth to them Certainly, Wonder Woman, uh, hopefully you don't believe is a real person. Wonder Woman was a creation of a DC comic and, and, and later became this 2017, this blockbuster movie. But in the beginning, in, in actuality, Princess Diana uh, was, does not really exist. However, there's a message, a theme that runs through this movie that, that, that really kind of intrigues me. And, and we want to talk about, for just a few moments, this theme that we see running through the movie, the basic idea of it. So here's what I want to do. I want us, because some of you, some of us, have not seen the movie, thought it might be helpful if we could take a look at the movie in a synopsis. So we put together some clips that are, that are kind of give you a, quick quick synopsis of the movie and I want you to see if you see the theme and then I want to build on that a little bit and take you to the scripture and show you what God has to say about that particular theme. So, watch the clip and see if you see it.
1: I wished for you so much so I sculpted you from clay myself and begged Zeus to give you life. You've told me this story. Which is why tonight I will tell you a new one. A story of our people and my days of battle. Yes! So you will finally understand why war is nothing to hope for. Long ago, when time was new, and all of history was still a dream, the gods ruled the Earth. Zeus, king among them. Zeus created beings over which the gods would rule. Beings born in his image. Fair and good, strong and passionate. He called his creation man, and mankind was good. But Zeus' son grew envious of mankind, and sought to corrupt his father's creation. This was Ares, the god of war. Ares poisoned men's hearts with jealousy and suspicion. He turned them against one another, and war ravaged the Earth. So, the gods created us, the Amazons, to influence men's hearts with love and restore peace to the Earth. And for a brief time, there was peace. But it did not last. Your mother, the Amazon queen, led a revolt that freed us all from enslavement. When Zeus led the gods to our defense, Ares killed them one by one until only Zeus himself remained. Zeus used the last of his power to stop Ares. Striking such a blow, the god of war was forced to retreat. But Zeus knew that one day Ares might return to finish his mission. An endless war where mankind would finally destroy themselves and us with them. So Zeus left us a weapon, one powerful enough to kill a god. With his dying breath, Zeus created this island to hide hide us from the outside world, somewhere Ares could not find us.
2: But if I can get these notes back to British intelligence in time, it could stop millions more from dying. It, it, It could stop the war.
1: War, what war?
2: The the war. The war to to end all wars. Four years, 27 countries, 25 million dead, soldiers and civilians. Innocent people, women and children slaughtered. Their, Their
0: homes and their villages looted and burned. Oh, weapons far deadlier than you can... ever imagine. Oh, it's like nothing I've ever seen. It's like the world's gonna end.
2: I am not your enemy, Diana. I am the only one who truly knows you and who truly knows them as you now do. They have always been and always will be weak, cruel, selfish and capable of the greatest horrors. It was for the gods to see how evil my father's creation was. But they refused.
1: I am Diana of the Mosquito.
2: So I destroyed them.
1: Daughter of Hippolyta. And I'm here to complete her.
2: The God Killer. My dear child not the god killer. You are. Only a god can kill another god. Zeus left the child he had with the queen of the Amazons as a weapon to use against me.
1: No, you liar. I compel you to tell me the truth.
2: I am. I am not the god of war, Diana. I am the god of truth. Mankind stole this world from us. They ruined it day by day. And no, I, the only one wise enough to see it, was left too weak to stop them. All these years, I have struggled alone, whispering into their ears, ideas, inspiration for formulas, weapons. But I don't make them use they start these wars on their own. All I do is orchestrate an armistice I know they cannot keep in the hope they will destroy themselves. But it has never been enough until you. When you first arrived, I was going to crush you. But I knew that if only you could see what the other gods could not Then you would join me and with our powers combined, we could finally end all the pain, all the suffering, the destruction they bring. And we could return this world to the paradise it was before them. Forever.
1: Never be a part of that,
2: my dear. I don't want to fight you, but well, if I must.
1: I wished for you so much, so I sculpted you from clay myself, and begged Zeus to give you life. You've
0: told. So, what did the theme? What ran through that clip? That movie, if you didn't get it, if you couldn't follow it, it's really simple. The simple truth is trying to decide if this world is worth fixing. World, The humanity, the world, is broken, and who can fix it? And Princess Diana says, I think it's worth trying to save. Here's the point that I want to raise this morning and talk to you about for just a few moments. Here's the truth. Humanity is broken. But it is still worth saving. Now that's a truth. The movie is somewhat of a myth. And probably you're thinking, I did not think when I came to church this morning I would see a clip from Wonder Woman. But I know this about our Lord. Our Lord Jesus used a teaching technique that was brilliant, that is brilliant. He used a thing we call parables, a a teaching method called parables, wherein he would take something familiar and put it along something unfamiliar, an earthly truth alongside a heavenly truth so that we could better understand the heavenly truth through the earthly truth. Well, I want to do something similar today. I want to take this movie that we're somewhat familiar with, this Wonder Woman, this story of Princess Diana, who, who decides that, yes, humanity is worth saving and goes on the venture to save it, and compare it to this. That is the gospel. Did you know the gospel is that God is not ready to throw this world away? I got a call from Beth this week, that dreaded call, you know, that uh, sometimes we get. She called and said, hey, just want you to know, it looks like we're going to be looking for a freezer. Our freezer is out, gone on the blink. And everybody says all uh, right yeah well we decided it wasn't a surprise to us actually it did this to uh, about a year ago and uh, a repairman came out looked at it and said I think I can fix it but in about a year it's gonna go out again and at that point it's gonna be too expensive for you probably worth not worth saving and probably just need to get a new freezer and so sure enough he was exactly right a year later same problem occurs again this time it's unfixable he says well here's what it'll cost to fix it and we say Hmm, probably not worth the cost to fix it. We'll just get a new one. Now, here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is sometimes we have to figure out what is worth fixing and when something just needs to be new. The wonderful thing is God decided, the truth of the gospel, my friends, is that God decided that humanity is worth fixing. Aren't you glad he didn't just throw it away? At the flood, he could have just destroyed everything. In fact, he did destroy everything. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah was a, a way that God had chosen to redeem, to start over in the life of humanity. How several times God would speak to, to Moses about the children of Israel and their stubbornness and their sinfulness. And, and he would say, I'm just going to start over. I'm just... They're, broken they're 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 broken and they're not worth fixing and Moses would be the intercessor who would pray and say but God wait a minute think through that now that sounds kind of strange in this conversation but God decided wait they're worth fixing humanity is broken There's so much in this world that's broken. You don't have to look far, do you? You don't have to look very wide. You just watch on your TV screen any day and you see that this world is in a mess. Maybe your life is in a mess. Maybe your marriage is in a mess. Maybe your relationship is in a mess. Maybe your career is in a mess. I don't know. Maybe your head is in a mess. We all come to that place in life where we just realize at some point, you know what, I'm broken. I'm I'm broken, I'm lost, I, I, I need to be fixed. And so then we try to figure out how to fix ourselves and, and we go on these rampages and we go on these terrors and we're trying to fix it with this or we're trying to fix it with that or we're trying to fix it with the other. The truth of the matter is we need help. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Rome and as he wrote to the church at Rome one day, he was penning the words and he, he, he shares with them and thus with us a very, very important truth. The truth that humanity is broken, but it's worth saving. Let me take a couple of minutes and show you that. It's in Romans chapter 5. If you want to turn around and talk, turn along in your Bible or maybe on your app, uh, your phone, your device, or you can read it on the screen. I want to read a short paragraph of what he wrote to the Romans that day. And and I want to just drive home, just drill down on a very simple truth. I'm just telling you, what I'm going to say to you today is so simple, it's mind-boggling, and yet so profound, it'll change your life forever. So, look what he says, beginning in verse number 6 of chapter 5. He says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I'm so so tempted to stop there, but let me read on and then I'll come back. He says in verse 7, For scarcely will someone die for a just person, though a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a powerful, powerful paragraph. So simple that it's easily understood, yet so profound, it'll impact your life forever. Three thoughts that I want to just drill down on from that passage that are just standing out to me. First thing, Paul says that we are broken. We just might as well go under and understand that. We are broken. Here's what he calls us in that little paragraph. He calls us helpless, ungodly, and sinners. That is not a great resume. Okay with that? That is not a great resume. And that's it. Yeah, that's exactly who he says we are. Now, I know that someone's going to go out here and say, I can't believe that pastor just called me a sinner. Well, I did it intentionally because you are, and I am. In fact, Paul said all of us are sinners, everyone, And each of us falls short of God's glory and God's God's expectation, if you will. All of us fall short of that relationship with God. And we are indeed broken. In fact, he says, not only are we ungodly sinners, but we are helpless to do anything about it. Well, thanks for the good news, Pastor Eddie. I'm glad I came to church today. Well, hang with me. It's better. But for right now, know it. Not only are we ungodly sinners, but we are, according to Paul's estimation in the Scripture, helpless to do anything about it. Now, that is so important for us because we need to understand our helplessness. We always, have you noticed this? We always try to help God out. you ever noticed that? Even in fixing our relationship with Him, we try to help him out. I don't know how many times I've said to somebody, I know the answer to your, your helplessness right now. I know the answer to your situation. And your answer is to come to faith in Christ. And here's a response I often get. Oh, I'm not ready for that yet. What, what do you mean you're not ready? Oh, i got to get my life straightened out first. You ever heard that? You invite somebody to church. Oh, I can't go yet. I've got to get my life straightened out. You invite somebody to come to faith, I can't do that right now. I've got to get my life straightened out. We think we have to get our life cleaned up before we come to God because that's our way of helping him out. I remember when I was young, it always perplexed me. My mother worked hard. She worked a a 40-hour-a-week job like many of you, and and she was raising a family and trying to do everything that needed to be done. And so she she hired a lady to come in one day a week to clean and iron. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've done that, right? She, she did that. She had a lady that came in to do her cleaning and iron. Now, here was, the, here was the irony that I never figured out. Some of you ladies know what I'm about to say. She cleaned the house the day before the cleaning lady came. <laughs> that did not compute with me. What, what, what are you doing? Well, I got to get it clean for the cleaning lady. <laughs> I don't understand that. How do you do that? And then later, I was further traumatized because we got a dishwasher. I know, first time dishwasher. We had I never had a dishwasher, you know, an, a, a, an automatic dishwasher. We, we, I was the dishwasher. But anyway, until then, we got a dishwasher. And I was further traumatized because before I could put the dirty dishes into the clean the dishwasher to be clean, I had to wash the dish. And I'm like, well, what's the sense of having a dishwasher if it's got to be cleaned before you ever put it in there? In a similar sense, silly for us to think that we need to clean ourselves up before we approach our God. It's helpless. We're helpless. We can't do that. We can't clean ourselves up because we can't do anything with this sin nature that we have, that we are born with. In fact, this sin nature separates us from God, and there is nothing we can do, no bridge we can build, no tower we can build that can bridge this problem. We are broken and helpless to do anything about it. And that, if it were the end of the story, would be a sad movie. But here's the truth. Second thing I want you to see from Paul's letter. We are worth saving. God, in his grace, looked at you and me and said, You know what? I know they're they're broke. And and I know it's going to cost a lot to fix it. But I'm not going to throw them away. Aren't you glad that God chose not to throw you away? I mean, think about it. I'm willing to throw a freezer away because i got to spend a few hundred bucks on it. And God looks at me and you and says, you know what? You're worth a pretty high price to fix. In fact, Peter tells us that we're not fixed, if you will. We're not saved by silver and gold. It, we're not saved with $400. We're saved. The cost to repair, the cost to fix us, to make us new, the cost to save us was the precious blood of his son. Which brings me to the third point, and that is we are saved through Christ. Now, can I just take you back to that verse for a minute and remind you how simple it is? Let me read it again. Having those thoughts in mind. Understanding that we're broken, understanding that we were saving, and understanding that we're saved through Christ. Listen again to what he says. He says, for while we were helpless, while we were still helpless, God didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. He didn't wait for us to get ourselves in a position. He didn't wait for us to get to the point that we're worthy. But while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for us. When we were helpless, God said, I'll initiate the process. He says, for rarely will someone die for a just person. Every now and then somebody will die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But, watch this, always watch the but gods in scripture. But God, he says. But God... Proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God looked at us, said, We're broken. Their lives are broken. Our world is broken. Humanity is broken. But it's worth saving. So while we were still in that condition, God sent his son to die on a cross. I know you've heard that story. Maybe somebody here's never heard it. Maybe somebody here's hearing it for the first time. Some of you have heard it over and over and over again. But you know what? Listen to me carefully. If you're tired of hearing it, you've never seen the power in it. If you're tired of hearing it, you've never experienced the power of it. Because the Bible tells me that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So how, how do I get there? How do I get to that point? How do I know? How do I respond to that? I don't know how to respond to that. How do I respond to that fact? Okay, it's wonderful to know. I understand I'm broken. How how but and understand, I understand I hear you say that. Christ says you're worth saving. I'm worth saving. But how do I respond to that? as simple as this. The Bible says we start by understanding our need. By understanding who we are. And the broken condition that we're in. And understanding that, ah, yes, my life, my world is broken. And I need a Savior. We have to understand that. You have to be willing to stop trying and start Trusting God. What do you mean trusting? I mean moving beyond just believing that he died for you to trusting his death on the cross to provide everything needed for your salvation. Trusting that, you know what? I'm helpless to do anything. I can't do it. I can't get there. I can't arrive. But Christ has already taken care of my sin problem. On the cross, by committing your life to Him, giving Him full control of your life, repenting, that is turning away from your sin, and placing your faith and your trust in Christ, and giving Him your life. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't know if I want to give Him my life. I think there's parts of it I want to hold on to. Well, how's that working for you? Probably not so good. But if we'll give our life to Him fully and wholly, He changes us. Gives us a new heart and a new start. Life eternal and life abundant. And the whole point of everything we're doing this month, whether it's building bedrock, watching Wonder Woman, having fun, it really is about this. It's about us wanting to share with you the simple good news of the gospel that yes our world is broken humanity is broken but you're worth fixing and God has provided the means to do that through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross